Well, good evening, my dear church friends. It's a privilege and an honor always to be here, and uh, I'm just thrilled to be part of this church. I've said it before how much I love this church and our pastor. Uh, I respect him. He's a man's man, and he's God's man. And there are not many of them around anymore. I'll just tell you the honest truth. Now, I'm going to make it easy on you tonight. Turn to the book of Habakkuk. It's somewhere between Nahum and Zephaniah. Or you can go to Psalms and go Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentation, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Are you there yet? Anyway, that's the idea, okay? We're going to talk about Habakkuk tonight a little bit. And uh, while you're finding your way there, I'll give you about five minutes. But uh, while you're finding your way there, I want to say also thank you for many, many years of support, financially, prayerfully, and as far as plain, good old, hard labor at the Baltimore Rescue Mission. Uh, this September 1st will be our 35th anniversary at the Baltimore Rescue Mission. And God's, God's been so good. He's been so faithful. And what I want to preach to you tonight from Habakkuk comes from our hearts. And if I didn't say anything else, I'd just say this. I, I hope and pray that you can walk out of here tonight more in love with the Lord Jesus Christ than when you walked in here. That is what I'm talking about tonight. Because the truth of the matter is, my question, according to our text I'm going to read for you in a minute, is, is he everything to you? I mean, is he everything to you? And, and the only way you're going to be able to answer that question is when you stand with me right now and we'll read the text. Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3. And I'm just, I'm, I'm starting the beginning from the end. We're going to do a little survey of the Bible tonight, a little survey of the book of Acts, uh, of Habakkuk. And uh, it won't be verse by verse. Brother Bernard does such a great job in Ephesians on, in Sunday school. Verse by verse, expositional preaching. But this is going to be a little survey, and we're going to pick up some things along the way that I hope and pray will help us. We're in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse number 16. And this has got to do with the fact that the Chaldeans or the Babylonians are coming to take over Jerusalem and Judah. He says in verse 16, when I heard my belly tremble, we got the bad news. And you're going to have bad news some days too. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself. I would call that kind of a panic attack. That I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. Here it is. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. 
Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds' feet. He will make me to walk upon mine high places. To the chief singer, this is a song. To the chief singer on my stringed instruments. The title of the message comes in the form of a question tonight. What if you lost it all? What if you lost it all? Can we pray together? Our Heavenly Father, please help me because I need your help. God in heaven knows I need your help. And Lord, I pray tonight that you'll give me the wisdom and the power and the articulation to make the message plain. Father, I thank you for putting this on my heart. How it's blessed me as I've studied this. And I pray it'll be a blessing as we present it. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I was really blessed by Brother O'Donnell's message a couple weeks ago on Sunday from Nehemiah, and he, he really gave a great background, historical background on the, uh, on the captivity of Israel into Babylon, and here Judah, the southern kingdom, that he mentioned is the topic of question here in the book of Habakkuk. It was written around 605 BC. The Babylonians were taken over their part of the world without question. It's almost like the Ukrainians looking at their borders and seeing Russia massed with their tanks and their infantry and all their mechanized equipment their Air Force. It was like them seeing there, watching them amass there on their borders and knowing, knowing one of these days, Putin's going to push the button and say, go. And he did, didn't he? And they're still there. And they're still torturing people. And there's still people living in their worst nightmare. And it's not over. And we say, well, that's them. Couldn't happen here. I don't know what you know about history. You ever hear of a thing called the American Revolution? That was on our shores, friends. We had to fight for our freedom back then. And if we don't learn to wake up in this country, I believe we're going to lose the freedom that we've already got. You ever hear of a thing called the Civil War? Yeah. Thousands and thousands and thousands of brothers, brothers against brothers. What a bloody conflict. 57,000 men died right up the road at Gettysburg in three days, in three days. Habakkuk saw it coming, but he didn't know why. He didn't know why God would use the Babylonians to, to be used as a whip to chastise Judah, his people. He said, Lord, I don't understand this. I want you to see the burden of Habakkuk tonight. He says in verse number one, the burden, the burden. Do you ever know, you know what a burden is? It's, it's, it's something that keeps you from sleeping. It's something that, that keeps you from eating. It's something that gnaws on you day and night and day and night and day and night. It's that, it's that, that last doctor's report you got. And what you feared would happen, all of a sudden it showed up in that doctor's report. In your blood work maybe, I don't know. 
It was from that phone call that you got about a loved one who suddenly lost their life and, and it blindsided you and you didn't have a clue. It was that pink slip you got in the mail, in, in your mailbox on Monday morning when you went to work and said you're done. When the worst comes to park on your, on your lap, the burden of a backache. Oh Lord, how long I cry. How long shall I cry? He said, Lord, I, listen, this is not the first time he prayed. He'd been praying for a long time. He said, Lord, how long shall I cry? And you won't hear. That will not hear. Now he's getting mad at God. You've never done that, though. You're more spiritual than that, aren't you? Uh, you never questioned God. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry? That will not hear. Even cry out unto thee of violence. These people are coming to kill us. He says, and thou will not save. You won't hear and you won't save. What's up, Lord? I thought I was your man. I'm a Christian, Lord, don't you understand? Lord, I've been saved X number, X number of years. Lord, I, I, I quit this and I quit that. And Lord, I'm starting to serve. And Lord, how come my life's not perfect? You ever been there? Sure you have, sure you have. I want us to see here that he's looking, he's looking now, not at the Babylonians coming. Verse three and four, he's looking around at, at his brother's his brothers. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slack, and judgment doth, doth never go forth. Have you ever said that? Whatever happened to justice? He's talking about his people. I'm talking about my people. I'm sick and tired of my wife. We're, we're, it takes us an hour and 10 minutes to get down to the mission every day and an hour and 10 minutes to get back. So one of the things she does is she reads to me, she shows me, and sometimes she'll stick it in my face while I'm driving down the road. And I said, I can't look at that now, honey. I'm driving. But she'll give me the, the, this information off the news apps. And I'm about, to, I'm, I'm about to run a car off the road. I'm saying, I can't believe this. This is America. This can't be happening here. How, how can people go out and commit murder and rape and all the other things that they do? And number one, not even lock them up. And when they lock them up, they don't make them post bail. And number two, if they do post bail, let them out right away anyway. There's something wrong with that. Habakkuk said, there's something wrong with this. He said, Lord, this, this just doesn't make sense. Verse 4, therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. Come on now. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Come on. Yeah. Judgment doth never go forth. Whatever happened to justice? He says, uh, for the wicked doth compass. That means in circle. They got us surrounded. The wicked. The wicked. You ever feel surrounded? Dri drive down the beltway sometime. And just go 10 miles over the speed limit and find out how many people are trying to run you off the road because you're going too slow. And you're going 10 miles over the speed limit. Yeah. Huh. The wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. Wrong judgment proceedeth. He said, things aren't right here, Lord. So he's got a couple questions. The first problem is, why does God permit evil? Why does God permit evil? Now, here's the first thing the devil will do. 
okay? L listen, this is a Wednesday night crowd. Can I take for granted you all know a good bit about the Bible already? Sure you do. This, this, is, this is the crowd that I can preach the Bible to, okay? So that's what I'm doing here tonight, okay? So that means I don't have to turn to every scripture. I'll never get done, and I got to get done because there's a trap door here, and he's got the button for it, okay? And I, I've already been warned about that, and I know what time he's going to do that to me. Listen, here, here's the thing. God is not fair is what the devil will say to you. In Genesis 4, verse 3 through 6, you don't need to turn there because you already know. I'm just going to remind you. Listen to me. Cain and Abel had to make a sacrifice. Cain offered a work sacrifice. He probably brought about a bushel of corn because he was a farmer. But Cain had a lamb, and he, he killed that lamb, and he put that lamb on that altar, and he lit that lamb up, and God accepted his sacrifice. But Cain did not offer a blood sacrifice, and God did not accept Cain's, uh, Cain's offering. And God turned around and looked at Cain. He said, why is that? Now countenance fallen. Why you got the poochie lip disease? Where's the kids at? Where, why do you got the poochie lips disease? Okay. You're, you're walking around pouting. You're mad at me. Listen, all you got to do is do right. You've been taught. I believe Adam and Eve taught them how to do the right thing. Okay. Because they already had to do that. How, where did those coats of kin, skins came from? They had to come from an animal, didn't they? They had to kill that animal. They had to skin that animal. When that animal got skinned, it bled. Okay. Listen. God wasn't looking for the smoke. God wasn't looking for the fire from Cain. He was looking for the blood, wasn't he? He was looking for the blood, and he didn't see the blood. He said, I'm not accepting it. And you know what? You can work yourself till you turn purple, friend. If you're not saved by the blood of Jesus tonight, you're not saved. That's, that's just the way. To, I'm sorry. There is no other cutting it any other way. And so God is not fair. No, I'm sorry, Satan. You're wrong again. God is fair. And then he says, God is not right. God is not right. Now, how's that? Well, you remember when, when Jesus was at the Last Supper and he told them everything was going to happen and they ended up in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus told them before that, he said, to this night, all of you are going to forsake me and flee. You're going you're to you're forsake me tonight because I'm going to get arrested and when I do, y'all going to run like a bunch of scared girls. No offense, girls, but, but guys ought not act like girls, okay? Is that politically? I don't care if that's politically correct or not. I know it's biblically correct, so I'm not worried about politics. So they took off and ran. But Peter said, not me, Lord. I'll, I'll, go, to, I'll go to the grave with you. I'll go to jail with you. I'll, I'll die for you, Lord. He said, Lord said, no, you won't. <laughs> and he said, all of you are going to forsake me and flee tonight. He said, no, not so, Lord. You know, fast forward this now. You know what I'm talking about. It's in Matthew, okay? And, and uh, Matthew 26, 31 through 35, and then verse 55 through 56. They take off. It says, then all the disciples forsook him and fled. How many? All. How many is all? All. Okay, you're a smart crowd you are. You know, and, and Peter didn't get it. Peter didn't get it. Peter, Peter just said, oh, oh, so he took off. First of all, he ran. And then he denied the Lord three times, and the third time he ended up cussing and swearing. And then when Jesus didn't say, I told you, I told you, I told you, he just looked at him and went, when the cock crew, he just, just went, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. Let me tell you what, if you ever fail, you'll go out and wept bitterly too. You'll weep bitterly. But the devil says, no, God's not fair. God's not right. The devil's a liar. We know that. He said if Adam and Eve took the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, you know what? They'd never die. Has anybody seen Adam and Eve lately? Are they dead or not? They've been dead a long, long time. 
okay? He's a liar. Young people, don't forget that, okay? He's a liar, okay? All that junk he tries to tell you. So what happens now? He says, uh, this is not right. Justice doth never... Let me give you another one. Ecclesiastes 8.11. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Does that sound familiar? Sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Hello, America. Hello, America. They know they're not going to get locked up for it. They know, they know there is no such thing as capital punishment in this country almost anymore, anywhere. And then bless their hearts, they've got to have a lethal injection. And oh my, the, 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 the serum in the lethal injection was past date. You've got to cancel this thing. Oh my. I won't say about firing up old Sparky if you know who old Sparky was. But that, that would get their attention. Anyway, that's another thing. I won't get into that. The first problem, why does God permit evil? The second problem, why does God let the heathen destroy the saved? Now we're down in verse number uh, six. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans. That's another word for the Babylonians. That's the Babylonian crowd. That bitter and hasty nation... Now, now, he's talking earlier in the first four verses about his people. Now, he's, God's saying, here's what I'm going to do to straighten that crowd out. i got a plan for them. He said, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling place that are not theirs. They're terrible and dreadful. <clears throat> would you want the Russians coming here? I don't think you would. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as an eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come all for violence. They're coming to, coming to hurt you. They're going to mess you up. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. And they shall scoff at kings and princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold for they shall heat dust and take it. Then shall his mind change and he shall pass over and offend imputing this his power unto his God. When the Babylonians came in and took over you know what they said? It was our God that did it. Hey by the way when the Philistines captured Samson they said their God Dagon put him in their hands. That's what they said. They, the Philistines said it was their God Dagon that did that. Well it wasn't their God Dagon. It was, it was Samson's wickedness and his sin and God made him pay for it. So number one we see the problem of the prophet. Chapter 1. I'm doing this by chapters, okay? There's only three chapters, so we're almost done. <laughs> Don't you believe that? Anyway, so number 2 in chapter 2, the parable for the prophet. Now look at verse number 1 of chapter 2. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon, my, upon the tower and will watch to see, I like this, will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. <laughs> he said, I, I know I'm wrong, and I know I shouldn't have said it, Lord. And I know you're going to straighten me out for this. So I'm just going to sit here and wait for you to tell me what I did wrong. It's kind of like when you get caught with your hand in a cookie jar, and your mother catches you. She comes around the corner, and there you are. <laughs> It's just a matter of time, isn't it? It's just a matter of time. And so Habakkuk said, you know, it's just a matter of time. God's going to get me. Ezekiel 3.17, son of man, I have made thee a watchman under the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning for me. The watchman. 
You know what your pastor is? He's a watchman. He's a watchman. You want to know why he's constantly warning? You want to know why he's constantly giving you updates as to what this crazy world's doing out there and how we ought to be looking at it from the biblical point of view? Because he's the watchman. By the way, he's not only watching out for them, he's watching out for you. He cares for you. He loves you. His heart is broken oftentimes over you. He loses sleep over you. He sheds tears over you. He's the watchman. He's the watchman. And if you're a father tonight, you're a husband tonight, you're a watchman too. You better be. You better be. You owe it to your family to be a watchman. I got to hurry on here. Let's jump on down. Hey, God gives him five answers to two questions. Five answers to two questions. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? So God's going to be very clear to him on what the answers are. And they come, they come in the form of woe to. There's five woe to's in chapter two. What on earth does that mean? I'm glad you asked. Definition of woe. Here, this is not from Brother Chuck. This is from Erdman's Dictionary of the Bible. You ready? The distinguishing feature of the woe oracle is the opening interjection, woe to, which is followed by the description of evil deeds and a prediction of divine judgment. So if, you, if you're guilty of any one of these five woe twos, number one, it's sin. Number two, God's going to judge you. And there's five of them that God points back at Judah and says you're guilty of all five. Let me run through these real quick for you. Down in verse 6 of chapter 2. Shall not all these take up a parable against him? So number one is the, prob uh, the problem of the prophet. Number two is the parable for the prophet. This is not the prophet's parable. This is God's parable to the prophet. Okay? So here we are, verse 6. And a, ta a taunting proverb against him. And say, here it is, woe to him that increaseth that which is not his. Huh. How about that? How long? And to him that ladeth himself with thick clay. You know what? He's saying stealing's wrong. Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his. You're, you're getting more stuff, but it's not yours. You didn't work for it. You didn't earn it. Nobody gave it to you. You stole it. He said stealing's a, stealing's a sin. Do you agree with that? I mean, it is one of the Ten Commandments, isn't it? Okay, verse 9, verse 9. Woe to, here's the second one. Woe to him that coveteth an evil, evil covetousness. Covetousness. That's, that's driving down the road in your 10-year-old car, lusting over somebody with a $50,000 car going by you like you're sitting still. That's called lust, okay? And there are other forms of it, and you and I know what they are, but I'm not going to get into those tonight. Okay? Woe unto him that coveteth an evil covetousness to his house, that he may set his nest on high. Oh, he's going to get rich off of that, isn't he? That he may be delivered from the power of evil. Lusting. Thou hast consulted shame to thy house. By the way, if I had time to read every word of all this, you would see the clear judgments that fall after these sins are pronounced. Number one, stealing. Number two, lusting. Number three, verse 12. Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood. Do you get that? Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood. Yeah, that's talking about murder. Right. And I don't care whether it's, my wife just told me something she read off of the thing that today. Some poor guy, some elderly guy. I have a little sympathy for elderly guys because one of these days I'm going to be elderly. Okay, now don't you tell anybody I said that. 
But here's this elderly guy sitting in a restaurant, and some young dude pops him, decks him, knocks him off his chair, takes his wallet, takes everything, and some young, young buck, like one of these guys, uh, did an end around and caught him out on the street, knocked him down, and a, and a lady helped hold him down till the police came and got that scoundrel. Now I say amen to that. That's, that's teamwork. I like that, okay? I like that. Woe to him. Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood. How about all the blood of all the babies? Woe to America. Woe to America. We got bloody hands, friends. You yes, well, say, well, they passed the Supreme Court. Does that take care of everything that's happened in the last 30 years? Uh, does that mean that every state is going to agree with what the Supreme Court said? No, they're already fighting that. It's not over. It's not over. And God calls it wickedness, and God calls it sin, and God pronounces judgment on it. Here's another one. Hang on, now, hang on to your seats, okay? You, some of you are going to get mad at me, okay? But that's okay. I didn't come here to make you happy. I came here to be honest with you, okay? Now, look down at verse number 15. Uh-huh. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, a drink. They're not talking about this here. They're not talking about that kind of drink. Right. I appreciate the neighbor to put that on there for me. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that putteth thy bottle to him, and maketh him drunken also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. Woo! All that comes from drinking? And a lot more. And a lot more. For the violence of Lebanon shall cover thee, and spoiled beast. I'm sorry, let me back up. Verse 16. Thou art filled with shame for glory. Now, that's the person that's given his neighbor drink. Thou shalt fill his, fill, be filled with shame for glory. Drink thou also, and let thy foreskin be uncovered. I'm not getting into that either. Some of you all can have private devotions at home. Teach your kids what that means. I'm not going to tell you that. Huh. That's what happens when you get all liquored up. The cup of the Lord's right hand. Listen, the cup of the Lord's right hand shall be turned unto thee, and shameful spewing shall be on thee. Let's talk, talk about the cup of the Lord's right hand. God's going to judge you. God's hand is going to be against you. And it's talking about shameful spewing. And it says in verse 16, thou art filled with shame for glory. Does it sound like giving your neighbor drink is a good thing to do? Well, then why on earth do some of you believe that Jesus gave alcohol at the marriage of Cana? He didn't do it. He didn't do it. Are you trying to say that my Jesus who died on the cross for my sins was a bartender? He'd he'd had to give an equivalent of 180 gallons of alcoholic wine to that crowd, and you don't think somebody there would have got drunk? I think maybe kind of, sort of. I wish I had time to finish this. Proverbs 23. Would you turn there with me, please? Hold your hand in the back. I'm not done with him yet. Proverbs chapter 23. You say, well... A little wine for thy stomach's sake. What kind of wine, first of all? I like what the pastor pastor said. I have a three-sermon series on a word study on alcohol and wine in the Bible. I do not have time to get into that tonight. But I'm promising you, Jesus didn't give them booze. 
How do I know? Well, first of all, he's a sinless, spotless son of God, and he wouldn't have done something that was sinful. And, and in Habakkuk chapter 2, it says, Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink. That means he'd have had to have been a sinner, and God the Father would have had to judge God the Son, and he wouldn't have been fit to, to, to die on a cross for you. No, he didn't give anybody booze. I'm sorry, I don't buy that. Down here in Proverbs 23. Oh, here's that word again, down verse 29. Who hath woe? <laughs> what a coincidence. It's right there, isn't it? Who hath woe? Who hath sorrows? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Redness of eyes. They that tarry long at the wine. See, that's Brother Chuck. You're just saying that you can't drink a whole lot of it. You just drink it. Keep reading, please. They that seek mixed wine. Look, verse 31. Look not thou upon the wine. What does it say? Don't do what? Don't look at it. When it is red, well, I can have, I can have grape, grape wine. Keep reading. When it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. Now, I know we have some very intelligent people here tonight. I know that we do. Do you have any idea what it means when it says when it moveth itself aright? What is that process called? Fermentation. I heard it from several people. That means don't touch it after it's been fermented. Thank you very much. Listen, somebody said, well, Jesus made wine at the marriage of Cana. Uh, I, 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 it's okay to drink wine then, isn't it? Yeah, just, just, just make it how he did. Just get you a, a cup of water and, and pray over it, and whatever comes out of there, you can drink. Don't put any grapes or muscadines or anything else in there. Don't, don't put any dandelions in there. Don't, don't, don't. Hey, up, up, I started a church. We started a church up in Maine. What'd they use up there, honey? They used apples. Man, you talk about getting hot on apple. That, that's what they called it, getting hot, you know. <laughs> Woo! Anyway, I'm just telling you this. If it's fermented, you don't touch it. Yeah. Book, chapter, and verse right there. I don't have time to preach on this thing. I'm just kind of hitting the highlights, just tiptoeing through the tulips a little bit, brother. Okay, that, that's all this is. This is nothing too serious. Okay, don't get mad yet. I'm not done. Well, the fifth, whoa, verse 15. Is there another one? Yes, there's a fifth one. Let's see. What the, I'm sorry, down verse 19. Well, let's back up to verse 18 since we're having a good time. What profiteth the graven image? The graven image, that's an idol, isn't it? Yeah. That the maker thereof hath graven it. The molten image. And a teacher of what? Lies. Yeah. That maketh of his work, trusteth therein to make dumb idols. Boy, I like that. Habakkuk got that right, didn't he? When God wrote that down. Woe to him that saith to the wood, awake to the dumb stone. Arise, it shall teach. You got to be dumb to talk to a stone. You, you got to be pretty much brain dead to talk to a, a tree. I don't care if the tree's been cut up and, and carved and varnished and polished and everything else. Uh, if you talk to a tree, there's something missing up there. You know, you're a few, few fries short of a happy meal. Now look, look down in verse number 20. So that's the five woes, okay? Did, did we get that across? Stealing, lusting, murder, drunkenness, and idolatry. Five woes. What's wrong with, what's wrong with Judah? Five woes. Five woes. What's wrong with America? Five woes and then some. Because they didn't have the technology to do the stuff that we got today. We, we're, we're high tech sinners, we are. Yeah, we're, we're high tech about it. Uh-huh. Look, look, look down here in verse number 20. I like to. You ready? But the Lord is in his holy temple. That means God is still on the throne. Yeah. Anybody understand that? 
God is still on the throne. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Now, Habakkuk is much more of a gentleman than me. And I think maybe even your pastor would agree with me on this. I'm sure he would. But the revised Bittner version of this verse is let all the earth shut up. Yeah. Says keep silence. Isn't that what shut up means? Amen. Well, who ought to shut up? I'm glad you asked. Uh, how about all the godless, all the heathens shut up? They, they got no business saying anything. We don't want to hear anything. How about all the crooked politicians? Boy, that would shut most of them up, wouldn't it? You'd, you wouldn't have much, much talk show, would you? Uh, no, the, 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 all the false preachers, how, how about if they shut up? That'd be a good idea, I think. How about all the pseudo-educators, the ones that say uh, they want to rewrite history and do all the other things to it? Yeah, let's, let's tell them to shut up. How about all the hellish music that you all sneak around and listen to when mom and dad aren't listening? I know you got your little thing in your ear and you're cool, but if you listen to something that, that you know good and well that your parents and God know you shouldn't be listening to, shame on you. That, that, that was that, that. I love you to death, but I'm just telling you. If that's hey, by the way, you out there listen to some of that other junk you listen to, you're no better. You say, are you mad at us? No, I'm just trying to be honest with you. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to. This the, the Bible's a mirror. I'm just trying to look in a mirror tonight. All the filthy jokes, shut up. All the talk show hopes, shut up. Here's the last one. All the lukewarm warm Christians. Yeah. According, to, according to Revelation chapter 3, the Laodicean Christians, okay, he says they're lukewarm. He said they make him want to puke. Yeah. I'm, I, you can't, it's hard to talk when you got puke in your mouth. Yeah. Now, listen, they ought to shut up. Are you ready for the message now? That was the historical background. <laughs> Here, here's, here's the prayer of the prophet it's only one sentence long. You ready? Only, only one sentence. You say, well, the chapter's long. I'm not talking about the whole chapter. I'm talking about the prayer of the prophet. He says, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet un, upon Shiganoth. Uh, Brother Sasser, I'll get you up here and tell us all about Shiganoth, but it's a musical term, okay? Now, oh, Lord, I have heard thy speech. Now, here's his prayer. He said, this is his prayer. Listen to, listen to the prophet's prayer. Uh, oh, Lord, I heard thy speech and was afraid. A lot of people are afraid to pray because they don't, they don't want to hear what God's going to tell them. Oh, Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. Now, listen, God's still in the revival business. Okay, you can have an all-week meeting. You can have a two-week meeting. You could have an all-year meeting. But revival's got to come from here. If it don't come from here, it's not real revival. And it only comes when you come under the conviction of the Word of God by the Holy Spirit of God living in you. And he tells you, you have been wrong. You're wrong. Now stop making excuses for it and agree with God and get right with God. And then revival will come to you. And that's what it would take for revival to come to America. If my people. I'm not talking about all these other heathen out here. He's starting with the house of God. Here's the conclusion, which you've all been waiting for. Habakkuk says this. If I lost it all, it's down in verse 17. We just read it. The fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall there be fruit in the vines. Let's do it this way. If you lost all your material possessions, if you lost your ability to earn a living, if you lost your health, 
I'm not talking about any one of these. I'm talking about if it all happened in one day, at one time. Yeah. Even though you lose your mate or your children. Is having him enough? I asked you the question tonight. Is having him enough? Habakkuk said, it's enough for me. He said, if I lost it all, I still got him. Let me read it to you from Job. Job 121. By the way, that, this, this is out of chapter 1 of Job. What happened? When he got told he lost all his wealth, and it's there in the early part of the chapter, uh, what, what, what all he owned. And then he lost all 10 of his kids. And I got I to gotta half believe that there had to have been some grandkids in that house too. Yeah. 10 adult kids? Yeah, I think they had some grandkids maybe got lost too. And the Bible says when the man came and told him that, he shaved his head, rent his mantle, fell on his face and worshiped God. He lost it all. And he fell on his face and worshiped God and said this in the next verse. Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now there's a man of God. There's a man of God. Let me, let me give you one more. New Testament. Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. The Apostle Paul. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count the bedung that I may win Christ. He said he lost it all. You can't lose any more than that. He wrote that, that book to the, to the Philippian believers. Listen to me. He wrote to them out of a jail cell. And, and he wasn't eating hot food and he wasn't watching color TV and he wasn't playing pool and it wasn't air conditioning. He didn't go outside to play basketball with the other inmates. He didn't do any of that. He was in a dirty, rat-infested cell. And he said, I can do all things in ver chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I lost it all. It doesn't matter if I lost it all. Let me ask you, church, tonight, does it matter to you if you lose it all? That's the challenge I have for you tonight. What if you lost it all? I don't mean some of it. I mean all of it. You could. You could. Lord, help us to be real. My love for him is not based on what he does for me. My love is based on what he did for me. Are you listening? He died for me on a cross. He died for me. I don't have time to go to Romans 8.35, verse 39, but I'll give you a little bit of it. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Neither height, nor depth, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, or things to come, nor any other creature can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. There's nothing can separate you from God's love. What separates God from your love? Right here is what we've been talking about all night. That's what separates your love from God, because his love, his love will never separate from you. Never, 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 ever. He will never stop loving you. I'm going to ask you tonight to do this. Will you commit to loving him? You say, I'm a Christian. Praise the Lord. I'm glad. You say, I'm trying to do my best to live for him. I'm glad. I'm talking about, will you say to him, no matter what comes tomorrow or next week or next month or next year, this thing's falling apart. No matter what comes, Lord, 
I'm yours. Can we pray? Every head bowed, every eye closed.